Underpowered Hour. On this week's show, we look at the new Land Rover Defender 130. We talk about buying a Series 2 Land Rover. We get a tip-top tool tip on replacing windows. And finally, imitation Land Rover, the Alfa Romeo Mata. And now, here's the show. Welcome to the Underpowered Hour. I'm Steve Barris, mild-mannered television executive by day and Land Rover collector by night. You can find out more about our cars and what we're working on at thebarriscollection.com or follow us on Instagram at thebarriscollection. I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, Ike Goss. Thank you to everyone joining us today. I'm the hand tool to Stephen's diagnostic computer, I'm the calloused hand of podcasting, Ike Goss. I own and operate Pangolin 4x4 in Springfield, Oregon, where we live and breathe Land Rovers. Check us out online on Facebook, Instagram, at Pangolin 4x4. Let's get started. All right, Ike. Well... Uh, this week in the news, there is uh, finally like a mm-hmm. like a spread, like a photo, a photo actual shoot. photos, yeah, a tasteful, tasteful <laughs> photos of a one thirty uh, splayed out on a chaise lounge. Uh, yeah. very tasteful, very tasteful. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, and I, I think Nick is responsible for uh, for more than just a few of these. Uh, I didn't look at the photo credits. I could have simply Googled that, but mm, chose not to. But uh, you know, it's a Land Rover and it's photographed. There's a chance that Nick Dibbleby was at least in the area when that happened. I don't think that there has been a Land Rover that has been photographed without Nick Dimbleby being involved. Yeah, he at least his uh, his permission is required. Uh, it's sort of like the yeah. queen. Uh, you have to be a sort of ordained uh, uh, to take a photo uh, of a Land Rover uh, by, uh, by Mr. Dimbleby. Yeah, so. it's like champagne. It's not champagne unless it comes from the Champagne region. It's That's not right. a photo of a Land Rover unless it comes from Nick Dimble. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Well, the 130 <laughs> uh, finally pictured in, mm-hmm. uh, you know, real photos and compared to its uh, younger uh, siblings, uh, older siblings, mm-hmm. I don't know, whatever, it's shorter siblings, uh, the 110 and the 90. Uh, and it's, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a big boy. Uh, it's got a lot of, uh, it's got a lot of space back there. There's a great photo of a gentleman and his rope uh, hanging out in the very back of the car he and his rope look very very comfortable back there there is at least room in the back for one person and one package of rope yeah in the back of a defender 130 but uh you know looking at the silhouettes of the three different wheelbases the 90 the 110 and the 130 you know the the 130 and the 90 are the most appealing to me personally mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um the 110 you know it looks truncated I would yep. say, yep. in my personal opinion. I'm so glad that they kept the signature panel throughout the range of yep. models. Oh, yeah. That is, my, uh, that is my favorite part of the car. Oh, I know question. it's also your favorite part. In fact, I've, I've seen that you have a signature panel from yeah. a new generation Land Rover that you're right. trying to fit yeah. To your NAS 90. Yeah, I think, you know, there's a whole, there's this whole movement um, to delete the signature panel from the new cars. And I've decided, no, no, we're going to reverse that. We're going to take all those deleted signature panels and, and we're going to apply them uh, to classic, uh, to classic cars. I think that's, uh, that's really where the, uh, you know, it's, it's an unexpected move, but I think there is uh, dollars uh, to be made, literally single dollars to be made uh, in, in doing that. I think you can retrofit a signature 
your panel uh, to just about any car. I mean, I think you could get you could we could we Freeland could lash it. Your panel. We could lash it to the uh, the soft top of a of an eighty inch. We could you know we'll figure it out. We'll get it on there. Experts in adding signature panels to your car. Yeah, you just need some ABS adhesive, and you're good yeah, to go. It's fine. Yeah, a little the, of that uh, liquid nails and a sticker on there. For those of you that aren't familiar with the signature panel, it's the eight and a half by eleven <laughs> square <laughs> of, of plastic on the side of the new Defender range that is is extremely square. It's usually yeah. body colored, and yeah. it has a small Land Rover uh, logo in it. Mm-hmm. It, uh, yeah, yeah, that's pretty much all it is. It is pretty much there on the black cars. It is invisible, and so uh, if you want to see what the car looks like without it, you can, you know, and you can delete it from the ninety. There's an option yes. to delete it from the ninety because the window arrangement in those uh, cars is different. So you can you can check a box and they will take it off for you. But it is not deletable on the one ten and as the one thirty isn't in the configure tool yet. I don't know if it is or not. But uh, there are a couple different companies now that are making. Um, you can uh, you can just pop it off. There's four little plastic. Uh, body mounts that that allow you mm-hmm. to actually take it off but then there's four little body mount holes, holes. yeah mm-hmm. and so there's a couple companies making fillers that you just sort of like an ikea piece of furniture where you have that little that little sticker that looks like wood that you just sort of stick over there the yeah, you just thing. put a dowel in and saw it off and then yeah. put and a little black to, marker yeah, just, on it and yeah, done just a sharpie the end of it it's perfect yeah. yeah it's no no big deal perfect uh, yeah no big deal at all but uh but no i mean you know plenty of room in the back of that thing and man when all uh when both rows of seats are folded down it's a big car there's lots of room in there for all your for all your shenanigans. So, uh, you know, we'll uh, leave it to see if they have a, um, you know, if they've got a, uh, if they've got a, uh, a new roof rack coming out for it, if they've got all the, all the sort of 130 length uh, accessories, we'll have to, we'll have to wait and see. It's, it's going to be the same roof rack. It's just going to have like a little extension on it. <laughs> just a tiny little, tiny little wings on the back. Well, the, the, <laughs> the current roof rack is cut out around the sensor package on the roof, right around all the antennas. There's like a big cutout for it. Um, you know, it looks like the back of a clawed uh, foot hammer. Uh, that mm-hmm. uh, you've got kind of sunk around the back of the uh, antennas, which is, I guess, it's kind of cool. I um, I know that some other rack manufacturers are just making the rack significantly shorter so that they don't interfere with that thing. So I guess, I mean, I don't know what you're going to put out on those little outriggers on the back there, but uh, hey, teach his own, you know, whenever. A, a, a bag of rope, perhaps? Oh, yeah, for sure. Plenty of opportunity to store bags of rope uh, in this uh, particular uh, car. So, uh, yeah. So, um, we thought uh, we would talk about uh, what is actually maybe possibly everybody's real favorite uh, segment is the uh, what to look for when buying uh, a Land Rover. And uh, this week, because we've already done, generally speaking, old-ass Land Rovers and what to look for when buying those, uh, mm-hmm. we did. Uh, we dabbled in the uh, 80-inch uh, Land Rover, a little bit of the Series 1, the very early Series 1 ones and what mm-hmm. to look for there and we'll probably circle back to sort of later gen series ones as well but uh, a question that that certainly i get a lot i'm sure you get to an excessive degree especially after we took a bunch of uh series twos out uh on a little winter's drive with uh, bob ives and if you haven't seen that uh video it is up on our youtube channel uh mr uh, uh bob ives uh and uh, his son uh, dan and uh, linus and ike and i and jenna and uh, all the folks from the uh, pangolin four by four a shop all headed up into the uh, wilderness into the snow and uh, in um, coincidentally it wasn't on purpose but just coincidentally a bunch of series twos and uh, had a great time so uh, today uh, what to look for when buying a series two 
Land Rover. And, um, you know, for those who the easiest way, as I was asked the other day, well, how do you how do you tell a series two from a, a series three? Most people can tell a, a series one from a series two because there's a little shoulder on it, the little the little bump that rolls down the entire door, which is, of course, one of the uh, one of the things that when the Land Rover became successful, uh, the uh, the powers that be at the uh, great uh, at the great Rover company and uh, and later British Leyland looked at the car and said, well, I think it needs a little needs a little bump there on the door. Needs a little needs a little boopy doo doo down the door. Hips needs some hips, and that's where your knees go when you're driving the car. <laughs> it gives you all this extra knee room. Um, but the series two obviously started with the uh, you know that was the first car to have the little hip, and then uh, um, you know obviously thousands of other uh, differences from the uh, from the series uh, from the series ones. But uh, series three has a different uh, door hinge, uh, has a different dash, uh, has all kinds of different things. The series two is actually. Uh, a lot closer to the Series 1 in its sort of uh, fit and finish and interior uh, finishers and stuff than it is uh, the Series 3. The Series 3 is a, is a much more, you know, a uh, much more of a product of the early 70s uh, as it's got lots of little plastic bits and stuff in it. So the Series 2 is, a, is an all-metal all metal dash. So uh, when you uh, suddenly come to a stop, there is no uh, semi-padded plastic, uh, just, uh, just a razor-sharp, razor-sharp metal to uh, smash your... Uh, smash your head in so uh yeah it's uh, pretty great yeah you know the series two has a lot of features which are different than the series ones of course they carry over the metal dash from the later series ones that part is the same you know the 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 thing that is interesting i think to a lot of people when they sit in a series two and sit in a series one is the series one actually seems more spacious even though the series two is a little bit wider and I think the reason for that is is most people they they taper. You know, their shoulders are wider than their their hips, and so the series two actually got narrower at the top. So they tapered the roof. You know, they made the roof narrower, and then it tapers down to the belt line, and then it has the hips. So where where your body actually sits, or where where you exist in the car, is is smaller. Mm -hmm. on a series two than it is on series one. And the windshield is a little shorter Mm -hmm. on a series two. So it kind of feels a little more cramped, at least to me, you know, the, the series one has, has flat sides. It's the same width from top to bottom. And so the series two, you know, since it, since it's narrower at the top, it feels a little more cramped, in my opinion. You know, I always feel like I have to stick my elbow out the window. It started the tradition of using the windowsill as an armrest in Land Rovers. Uh, I find I don't do that as much in the Series 1. Uh, also, the window's so much higher in the Series 1, it's uncomfortable to do that. But you also don't feel the natural need to stick your arm out the uh, window. Not that I have the door tops on mine all that yeah. often. But uh, but yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a storied Land Rover tradition of opening the window to give your elbow somewhere to go. Yeah, totally, totally. Uh, you know, these cars, they, they had a lot of changes that were substantial mechanical changes and, uh, structural changes. And then, you know, there was some cost cutting measures to, yeah. to offset that. And so you'll, you'll see a little bit of, um, uh, of a lack of quality in some of the finishes that they were like, oh, well, maybe we should cut some cost here but we've added some features there. So one of those is maybe the doors, you know, Mm -hmm. most notably probably is the doors. A series one door never rusts, you know, the previous generation door, it, it is a galvanized steel. And they said, well, you know, maybe we'll save some money and they stopped doing that. And so the series two and later series two, a doors, 
They are ungalvanized steel frames with aluminum over them. And this started a long and glorious tradition of land, rusty Land Rover doors. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and, to, and uh, carry- to the, uh, you know, the late, uh, the late defenders still. Yeah. Same problem, you know? Same yeah, problem. They, they carry that through pretty much the rest of the utility models. I think eventually there was a lawsuit, uh, you know, saying that didn't prepare your uh, materials well, and mm-hmm. uh, they lost that lawsuit. And, and as a result, they made some some zinc-coated doors yeah. in the late Defenders. Yeah. But uh, previous to that, you know, really badly uh, corroded. So that's one thing you want to look for in a Series 2 is the is the door top and the door bottom. You know, yeah. look at the, at the actual bottom of the door bottom you know see if it's if it's rusted or has more drainage holes than maybe it came with from the factory some improvised drainage holes in there yeah yeah and and of course with the hips on the bulkhead you know uh it's it's obviously a redesign from the series one and so they have a tendency to rust in a couple of different places than the Mm -hmm. earlier cars Mm -hmm. and the footwells you know where the wheels kick up the the spray from the road that's certainly a problematic area for these cars uh the upper footwell on a series Mm -hmm. one is kind of uh, the problem area for those cars and the lower footwell tends to be the problem for the series twos and uh, two a's that bulkhead design kind of kind of carried through Mm-hmm. There's some differences in the twos and two A's that are subtle, mm-hmm. and a lot of people aren't familiar with those. And so, if you're buying a series two or looking at a series two, some of those may enter into your decision making process. The engine, for example, is uh, is uh, one of the big things that they introduced with the series two. It's a 2.25 liter as opposed to the two liter, mm-hmm. which was uh, used in the series ones and very early series twos. Now the two and a quarter liters, a totally different design. It's overhead valve instead of an F head, you know, inlet over exhaust design. Mm-hmm. And the, the first generation of those have a different bearing design and a different water pump. And so those bearings are a little bit more expensive. Those water pumps are a little bit more expensive. So, you know, rebuilding or refreshing one of those engines in a Series 2 is uh, is a little more expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The gearbox is largely the same design. There's some minor differences. Uh, but uh, rebuilding the gearbox is, is pretty much the same. And if you're looking at any Land Rover, you know, it's nice to have a, a good gearbox. The engines are yep. pretty durable. Yep. Gearbox is less durable than the engine, you know, mm-hmm. I would say. Um, there are some neat features on a Series 2, which were uh, introduced for the Series 2 and then later deleted on the Series 2A. The knob-operated vent lifters is yep. one of those. There's some heavier duty fittings, you know, the bolt-on door stops, you know, kind of carried over from the Series 1s to Series 2, but deleted on the Series 2As. They, they did a spot-welded kind of affair on those. The yep. tailgate hinges and hardware are all heavier duty on the Series 2 than the 2A. They started to get thinner and uh, use some cost-cutting measures. They were like, oh, maybe these are a little burlier than we maybe need. The uh, Series 2 firewall to fender fasteners are actual, you know, fine threaded bolts instead of Acme thread bolts, which they carried through Series 2A and Series 3 models. But uh, Mm -hmm. in terms of the things that you look for, you know, rust is the big one. You Mm -hmm. know, rust makes the cars expensive to rebuild and uh, largely... You know, the parts availability for these cars still remains good and the backwards parts compatibility from the later models makes them pretty easy to restore and Mm -hmm. uh, they're fun to drive. They're pretty reliable. 
part, like I said, parts availability are good. It's definitely a good model for an enthusiast, you know, maybe a little less esoteric than a series one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love series ones. They're my favorites, but uh, you know, for the average person, maybe a series two is a, is a good choice, good balance between those two models. And uh, series twos are, are certainly neat cars. They have those big, square apron panels in the front yep. they have a few little cosmetic features that make them or set them apart from a 2a i like those cars well and and the you know the the iconic series 2 series 2a door hinges you know which is the actual logo of the series 2a so the series 2 club is that uh, mm-hmm. one super unique feature is their is their is their crazy uh door hinges which are very neat and the, and they were yeah. shared with the mini and a few other british cars but they're uh they're a really neat uh style design they sort of look like two little arms kind of interlocked together and uh and that was gone as of the series three and then never came back it was gone all the way through defender defender used the same similar hinge uh, almost true on. almost mm. true the rear door kept that same right door has hinge that one style. style hinge yeah yeah right. ke- kept that right. uh, kind of through but that design is very neat it's kind of an organic shape yeah. and the mini one is is, is just a little bit smaller a little, little bit smaller it's, yeah it's like so a little tiny version of it yeah yeah it's yeah, really it's cool super yeah. cute yeah yeah it's super really cute. neat it must have been a it must have been a found part then because there are a few british cars that use like different sizes of that same looks like the same hinge just in a few different uh, sizes i don't know yeah it could be one of those uh, manufacturing artifacts that uh, you know, kind of continues on or stays in use yeah. through a number of different applications. You know, it certainly looks like it could be a gate hinge or whatever, but I'm not sure about the, yeah. the origin <laughs> no. of that particular yeah, right. part. Yeah. But yeah. it is a neat one and it has a nice little replaceable brass ball. So when yeah. they wear, you can you can rebuild them. And I think those are like, you know, a few bucks. They're yeah, super, super cheap. cheap. Yeah, easy to do. And uh, cer- certainly a neat door design and door hinge design um, that is not shared with the later cars, unfortunately, because it, it was really cool. The doors actually open kind of perpendicular to the mm-hmm. the opening of the door instead of the Series 3s, which kind of have a little bit of a yeah, they they raise kinda, the back they, edge they of the door. They go in just a tiny little bit. Yeah, yeah and you, you can always tell, you know, it's kind of it's semi-popular. This this could be a Rover faux pas, putting Series 3 hinges on a Series 2A Ooh. or a Series Series two, you know the the door hinges on a series three open at a little bit of an angle. I think yeah. they they thought that would help you shut it. You know, given a little yeah. little weight as a little it falls run at closed. It. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But the problem is it it gets closer at the top than it does yeah. at the bottom, and yeah. inevitably when the the stop wears out, it puts a dent in the yeah. door in that bulkhead. You know, right, the, the right. A pillar on the car. Yeah. Yeah, and so you know all the cars that have had that done, they all have a dent in the bulkhead, right. which is uh, unsightly in my opinion. I like yeah. the the horizontal opening. Doors I do too. I think they're a neat. Yeah, it's a neat door and uh, and a neat hinge and yeah, I, I, you know, and the series three ones are awful. The pin in the inside rusts, and then there's no. Uh, like you gotta replace the hinge because there's you can't like you can try to pound that thing. I mean, they're not really serviceable. Whereas, yeah, the, the series two hinges you could service sort of forever. I mean, you know, as long as Definitely. as it would wear, would just you, know, you could replace them. And uh, yeah, it's very cool. It's a new yeah, design. Yeah, I really like those. But anyway, the series twos are they're they're great cars and uh, uh, very serviceable, very uh, usable even still today. And, uh, and so the later cars your- are negative uh, negative earth, so you don't need to. Uh, deal with the spooky voodoo of positive uh, earth cars you can spooky find spooky voodoo i feel uh, like the, <laughs> the the positive earth cars in my opinion are 
easier to deal with because they don't have like instrumentation that works on 10 volts. So they yep. don't have a voltage stabilizer and all this yep. wacky stuff. The old ones are just 12 volts. The yep. circuits are very simple and uh, robust and reliable. I mean, I've got some of those cars that are 70 years old and they still have like their original equipment still work great. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they start to get funky, like the electric temperature gauges that mm-hmm. are notoriously unreliable oh, and terrible. Yeah. Those fuel gauges that have the, the voltage stabilizer to dampen them. Like all that stuff is, it, it becomes less reliable. As the soon as the multi gauge was, uh, in, it was introduced, everything <laughs> went downhill from there. And, uh, you know, it, uh, those are, those are legendarily annoyingly bad. And, uh, yeah, the, uh, the electronic ones are the, are the worst. And if your engine anyway. has ever gotten really, really hot and you have a cheap, uh, temp sender, chances are that temp sender got cooked and it'll never work properly again. So you got to throw it away and put in a new one. Almost 100% of overheating problems in series Land Rovers are on those uh, positive, I'm sorry, negative yeah. ground trucks. Negative ground trucks. And they have a bad sending unit they for the temp sender, gauge. yeah. That's the, any anytime anybody's ever like, oh man, my, my series car runs really hot. They say, well, have you have you laser gunned the uh, the thermostat? What's the actual temperature? And they're like, oh, well, it's this, it's fine. Like, have you ever replaced the temp sender? I'm like, just buy a box of them. And, yeah. uh, you know. <laughs> just every every so often, probably just replace it because they're garbage. If they get a little bit too hot, then that's it. They're they're done. So yeah, unfortunately, but yeah, no, all good. Uh, you know, and uh, like we like we've always uh, said, you know, make sure you get pictures of uh, all the parts of the car that uh, that could be really bad before you waste your time going out to see it and making sure that uh, oh yeah, you know. All Assume any of part of the car that you can't see in pictures is bad. It's totally bad. It's totally bad. <laughs> and if somebody says like, oh, yeah, I've just, you know, I don't drive it that often. I just don't have the time. Like, it's because it doesn't work. That's why you don't drive that's, it that often. That's, that's a good chance. Or yeah. or if they say the engine has been rebuilt and you're like, well, uh, when was it rebuilt and by whom? And they're like, well, the previous owner told me that. You're yeah, like, told me that, yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, if you can see, uh, you know, uh, liquid gasket uh, oozing out of every orifice of the engine then uh yeah somebody's been in there that's good you know that's a good time. interestingly interestingly rtv and liquid gasket are inversely proportional to how well something is sealed if there's exactly a lot right. of it on something it almost inevitably leaks badly it's a guarantee it's a guarantee that it's gonna it's gonna leak yeah that's a, it's a good point that's actually a good it's a good sign uh that if the uh, engine is covered in rtv then that the fucking thing's gonna leak everywhere oh it's yeah like a guarantee yeah it's yeah, like a, a it's like a sunroof it has rtv on it's not sealed yeah you're done there's no way that thing it's it's unsealable we're going to take a very quick break to hear from this sponsor hear that believe it or not summer is just around the corner luckily armor all america's most trusted auto appearance brand has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine plus now through may 31st we'll give you five dollars for every 20 you spend on armor all products that means car wash pods protectant tire shine you name it Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. And now back to the show. Speaking of unsealed uh, sunroofs, uh, today's uh, tip top tool tip uh, is uh, a particular tool uh, that is geared towards those looking to replace uh, windows on their Land Rover. Yeah. 
Yeah, the the fixed glass window is uh, something that was used on a number of different Land Rovers for a number of different years, and typically, you know, this this was used on Discovery Alpine mm-hmm. windows. It was used mm-hmm. on Defenders. It was used on Series cars all the way back mm-hmm. to the Series One, and it's it's a two piece seal. You know, mm-hmm. this is on a static window, a nine sliding window, mm-hmm. and it's a, got a um, a main seal which holds the glass into a aluminum opening in the bodywork mm-hmm. and then it has a filler strip which spreads that apart and locks it and seals it into place and these seals are really time consuming to install if you don't have the tool if you've That's got right. the tool it doesn't take that long and uh we're going to talk about a couple things that can make your life so much easier and uh you know we had a recent complaint from a future guest about right. <laughs> uh, about this process and and apparently took him hours and hours and and was really aggravating and uh, we're here to help him That's in right. <laughs> retroactively right That's so right. The it's next already time, done he's done but yeah, uh, but yeah the next yeah, time he yeah. does it it'll be it'll go way easier well, those seals the, are good for about 25 years so in a, you know then uh, you know you're good uh, next time around sometime in uh, 2040 um, you know <laughs> yeah this will be a really useful tip <laughs> the trick to it is having the right tool. And there's a, there's a special filler strip tool. And uh, that's exactly what it's called, filler strip tool. And it's mm-hmm. it's cast. The best kind is cast. Yeah. And the, the inner diameter is the same shape as the filler strip. That's sort of a weird and little teardroppy, orifice kind of looking thing. Yeah, yeah. 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 It, looks like, it looks like Steven's orifice on the yeah. outside. It's, it's, then, it's modeled after. That's, uh, and that's, then the yeah. outside, yeah. the outside is uh, a, like, I would call it a spade shape, like from yeah. the playing card. You know, it's yep. pointed at one end and then it uh, uh, increases and it's got a um, groove that fits yep. inside the seal. Mm-hmm. And and this with a, a lot of like glass lubricant or silicone spray, mm-hmm. we use a, a, a glass cleaner product, mm-hmm. which is kind of nice and doesn't leave a residue. Yeah. Um, that is is the best thing for this job. So the, the outer seal, pretty straightforward to get mm-hmm. into place. We use um, a couple of different tools to get the the seal over the glass and put it mm-hmm. in the aperture. And those are just plastic tools. Sometimes they're referred to as bone tools, even mm-hmm. though they're made of like a high density plastic and they come mm-hmm. in a few different shapes. You can get them at a, at a paint shop, automotive yep. paint supply, or a uh, glass specialty shop. Mm-hmm. A few of those and some of that uh, glass spray or, or glass lubricant goes a long way to getting the window in the aperture. Mm-hmm. That part is relatively straightforward. It's getting the locking strip into place. Yeah. And this filler strip tool is key to that just trying to shove it in there with your fingers is just or screwdrivers or anything else oh it takes hours and hours and hours the worst and so this this and i'm not i'm not exaggerating this turns a a three-hour job into like a 20-minute job yeah it really doesn't take that long if you have the right tool and uh it's it's such a relief to do it i the first ones i did you know back when i was in high school just to Mm -hmm. Ages, oh, yeah. it's the ages worst. It's the do. worst. Yeah, and it's your the worst. fingers are sore, and oh, it's brutal. You got to push it in, and you're trying to get, and you got a tool. Maybe it kind of works, and you're soapy because you're trying to get it in there. And the somebody told you soap made it easier, but with your hands, the more lubricated the surface is, the harder it is to do because you have no force again, and it's everything slipping every. It's terrible. Another yeah. thing, I like to run a little bit of paracord inside of the window molding then put the window molding mm-hmm. into the hole and then pull the paracord out from the inside and it'll flip the inside seal over the metal lip 
very quickly. Yeah. And then you don't have to do that. You don't have to do the little pinchy bits with your finger around there either. So you just run that, a shoelace. That is helpful, especially if you have a person to help you put yeah. a little pressure on yeah, the just glass. Push on it a little bit. Because yeah. if you don't have that pressure on the glass and you pull the, the cord out, it work. won't pull <laughs> yeah, through pull the opening. Yeah, I like to just start with a corner, kind of get it poked in, and then start with the paracord. And the paracord's already really slippery because it's like that nylon, so it, it slips in pretty easily. And uh, mm-hmm. you can do the back kidney windows on a Defender by yourself. You can put one hand on the back and do it. But anything more than that, it's impossible, especially the rear window on a door, like on a on a, on a a series door or a Defender door. Oh, that thing's a monster. It's super heavy, and it's super awkward. And it's uh, Chris and I finally got the uh, the things that you use to move glass in a Leslie Nielsen movie so that, you, you know, the guy's moving it across the street that inevitably somebody smashes through it with a bicycle or a car. Remember the one that, well, I think OJ is in the mall, but didn't he like, he's going down, he like, he's, he's just coming out of the hospital and he like rolls down the hill in a wheelchair and he like goes through, guys keep, like walking panes of glass across the street and he keeps smashing through these different panes of glass. It's a great movie. It's uh, Leslie, uh, Leslie. I think it's, that's, I think that's, that's uh, naked gun. The first one, I think. Right. And OJ's in all of them though, isn't he? That's, that's a really before important all the murder. thing. You, you've got to watch murder. those. You have to watch the entire naked gun series before you put in a pane of glass. That's it's very important. <laughs> gotta yeah. Know. You need that. Yeah. It's good to know. But yeah, the Harbor Freight sells the, like the window suction cuppers, which makes it much easier, mm-hmm. specifically the back. I mean, if you were to do a windshield as well, but the, the back glass, um, which uh, which can break relatively easily. That is heavy, and uh, yeah, that's a two player game for sure. But uh, yeah, that's a it's a great tool. It's a great uh, great tip, and uh, yeah. So uh, I have a rear window that I need to uh, replace. So I'm gonna have to uh, have to get on that. Maybe we'll shoot a little. Maybe we'll shoot a little a little video. Put it on the TikTok. <laughs> get all those TikTok <laughs> views in the window. You can watch Stephen flossing and using. The uh, window the suction time. cup tool yeah, at the on same time. TikTok. If you're a patron, <laughs> if you're a patron, you can watch that. Yeah, I'll do it in a. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. Well, we, uh, yeah. Speaking of patron, we have uh, we have uh, the ongoing series of Tip Top Tarp Tips uh, going up here uh, every Tuesday, Tip Top Tarp Tuesday, and uh, yeah. So stay tuned for those. Uh, man, I mean, there are tomorrow. Oh, there are some great ones. God, there's some good ones. Yeah, tomorrow. I can't even. I can't even talk about tomorrow's. It's so exciting. So exciting, you know. A, a uh, the uh, the bonus tip top tarp shopping, uh, uh, you know, video that we put up. Uh, there was a apparently a contractor who's been a general contractor for forty years, and he's like, mm-hmm. I totally agree with this tarp tip. And there you go. <laughs> so it's not just like it's it's the construction industry agrees that only the gray ones are any good. Are only yeah, good. It's yeah. true. Yeah, it's true. That's, and Dixon that's uh, apparently has killed someone and wrapped it up in the black one. Uh, the, just based on his comments, there's a lot of knowledge there Not that surprised. seems, yeah, it just seems it's suspect. For it's suspect. those of you who aren't familiar, Dixon Kenner is the editor of the Ottawa Valley Land Rover Club newsletter, which is a great newsletter. And he's nobody knows what happened to the previous editor. That's so, right. That's there right. You go. I there think you go. he's responsible. Could be. Could be, but uh, yeah, we gotta get Dixon on the show at some point. That's gotta be. Uh, that's gotta. We gotta get him on the. Get him. Uh, we'll get the uh, Ministry of uh, of Booking and the Ministry of Scheduling on that right away. Them uh, get those. Get the team. Get the team in the basement to uh, work on scheduling Dixon. So speaking of the team in the basement, um, the uh, to wrap up today's show. Oh, it, it, I would say this is one of the most controversial segments that we have here <laughs> on the show. Uh, imitation Land Rover. There yeah. is a. Uh, there is a guarantee. 
that no matter what car we pick, the most obscure, the uh, the most the least successful, the most hated four by four on the planet, that is literally a one to one copy of a Land Rover. Uh, there is somebody out there. Uh, that will troll us for uh, for saying uh, that it's their uh, favorite uh, favorite car uh, is a, an imitation Land Rover, uh, and this uh, is uh, no exception, and will no. certainly uh, garner the uh, scorn of uh, many an Alfa Romeo fan. Because today yeah. we are talking about the Alfa Romeo Mata. What's a Mata with you? Oh man, I knew it was coming, and I yeah. still, I still oh. cringed. <laughs> still cringed. Yeah, the Alfa Romeo Mata is, uh, you know, it was a car that was uh, conceived in 1951 and built in the early 50s for a few years, and it uh, has a lot of Land Rover characteristics. Oh, and yeah. if you look at it, especially from the back, it uh, it looks very much like a Land Rover. It's a it's a it's a handsome car. It really is. Yeah, it it's has a cool looking a, car. Yeah, kind of a Land Cruisery GP type fenders yep. and yep. Uh, a Land Rovery hood, and then a, a, a grill panel that has the, sort of the Alfa Romeo sort of um, yeah, kidney shape, diamondy sort of kidney shape. Yeah, really cool. Yeah, a neat neat looking car. But uh, when you start to look at it, you you can definitely see a lot of Land Rover influence. It's got the uh, grab bar across the dash, similar mm-hmm. to a Series One. The yeah. instruments, however, are in front of the driver, yeah. you know, behind the steering wheel. So that is a difference. But when you start to look at the rear load space, it's got the spare tire mount there. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. got the spare tire mount on the hood, like a Land yep. Rover, which yep. is definitely a Land Rover-esque feature. The doors, uh, they open in reverse. Backwards. They're suicide doors. <laughs> yeah, but the the shape of them is very much like a Series 1 Land Rover. The height, the proportion mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. the door, very Series 1 Land Rover. Especially the window with the removable window top is could be interchangeable, I think. With oh, a, yeah, a yeah, it really is. Like, it really is very close. It's very the close. windshield frame is is, yeah. is looks like it came off of a Land Rover. The, the tailgate, mm-hmm. rear body, you know, the wheel wells, all the shape mm-hmm. of that and proportion of those things are, are very much like the Land Rover. And certainly the canvas, uh, the canvas hood, yeah. the way it lashes to the side of the body, mm-hmm. the shape, the, the, you know, the slope towards the windshield. It is, uh, it, it, I, that may really be interchangeable with the Land Rover. I mean, it looks, it looks, uh, it looks really similar. Similar. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Now the difference though, of course, is that the Mata was available in a, uh, like a bright blue color with red seats and a red roof in classic Italian fashion. You could get it with quite Quite a bit of flair. Um, and then, of course, you can get the green and tan uh, that literally looks exactly like a Series 1. In fact, some of the people selling their Matas online have uh, strategically placed them like in front of a brick wall with the green and, and tan hood. And quickly scrolling through, you wouldn't uh, you wouldn't be uh, at all remiss to think that, uh, wait, is that a Series 1? Because uh, they're honest, they're, they're leaning into uh, the fact that it does look an awful lot like a Series 1. And they seem to be going for a, a pretty reasonable amount of of money. I mean, they're in the uh, they're in the fifty and sixty thousand dollar range for a nicely restored Mata, which is uh, that's a very specific crowd that's looking for one of those guys. Actually, no, uh, Michael, a friend here who has a ton of old um, Italian and uh, well European cars, but he has like four Matas. I think that's like all of them in North America, but they're all <laughs> old, you know, jeeped up, war looking uh, sort of ones. He rents them out to movies, but yeah, I've never seen so many in my life. I'd only ever seen one before that, and then Michael's got you know. 
you know, a, a shed full of them. So they're, they're a neat looking car. They have a, you know, similar displacement engine, 1.9 liters mm-hmm. instead of the two liter that was used on series one. They have a dual overhead cam, yeah. you know, engine that's installed. I'm assuming it's a, it's related to the one that's used in the cars. It's yeah. uh, got a little more horsepower than the Land Rover engine. I think 60, mm-hmm. 64 60 horsepower, yeah, something, something like that. Like that. Yeah but significantly less torque. You know, they're definitely a higher RPM motor, probably yeah. better suited to an automobile than a mm-hmm. than a four-wheel drive. Yeah, like 4,800 RPM or something is where it makes that 90 foot-pounds. Like, can you imagine what that sounds like? Like, that's just <laughs> going to be brutal. <laughs> I can't. I can imagine. Yeah, that. yeah, it's just, yeah. But yeah. Uh, it, it definitely takes some cues from the Land Rover. And for that reason, it is definitely... An imitation Land Rover. And for that reason, everyone will hate us for <laughs> saying that. So uh, without uh, further ado, please uh, go ahead uh, on over to uh, Instagram and start commenting negatively on uh, how, in fact, the uh, Mata is the uh, origin of all 4x4s or something. Yeah, for those of you sending arguing. hate mail, send it directly to Stephen Stephen Barris. P.O. Box. <laughs> on Instagram. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, send it, send it right my way. I'm happy to uh, delete your hate mail about the Mata. Uh, but yeah, no, it's a cool car. If you have an opportunity to see one, they're really neat. Uh, backwards opening doors uh, and all that sort of uh, stuff. They've got some really interesting, uh, very unique uh, features. And because it is an alpha, it will only be running 15% of the time. So... <laughs> That's you know, pretty generous. The, yeah, that's true. That's true. You know, uh, uh, brief periods of ecstasy followed by sustained periods of frustration. That's uh, that's what the, uh, you know, that's the Italian way. That's true. You know, sometimes they say British cars, they're not, they don't run because of deferred maintenance. You know, people don't always maintain them. But, uh, you know, Italian cars, they might not run because it's Tuesday. That's exactly right. Yeah, they're built Just, that way. You never know. You really never know. I mean, where do you really need to go that is so important? You know? (laughs) You know? Maybe tomorrow. We'll see. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Depends. Depends. Two weeks. Yeah. Well, at any rate, uh, please do head on over to the Instagram as there is uh, a uh, a river of content uh, going up there every week. Uh, fantastic uh, uh, tarp uh, videos, uh, interesting uh, things. We've uh, had uh, some uh, some folks uh, share some photos of their T-shirts, uh, stickers, tiny Ike keychains. Um, oh man, if you uh, if you have some underpowered hour gear and uh, you want to share it on uh, the old internet, it really does make our day. It's uh, nothing puts a smile on Ike's face like seeing someone uh, in a one size too small underpowered hour t shirt. Uh, <laughs> he's a big fan. He's a big fan. So uh, with that. Uh, we'll uh, we'll wrap it up for this week. Unfortunately, uh, because of all the tiny t-shirt talk, we have run out of time to uh, have Ike uh, review uh, Nando's, of which there are three in the United States. They are starting their westward progress towards what? Ike, opening stores across the United States to eventually uh, get one in Eugene, Oregon, so that Ike will finally, uh, finally review the brand. I think that is what they're looking for to really tip things over the top here in the uh, United States. Uh, Probably. But uh, unfortunately, uh, Ike is a fairly uh, tantric uh, peri-peri chicken uh, restaurant reviewer. So you're just going to have to wait. Next next episode. Yeah, maybe. We'll see. All right, Ike. Well, as always, it's been a slice. We will uh, talk to you next week. All right. See you on the trail. Underpowered Hour is produced by me, Steve Barris, and Ike Goss. Pavel Svartov composed and performed our theme music. Consider supporting the show on Patreon, and if you already do, thank you. Your support makes the show possible. For even more, check out our Instagram or Facebook.